Well, good morning. So good to see you this morning at the location that South City Church family worships at. Thank you, Ellie, for uh, moving this message forward. We've got to learn to speak differently about what the church is. It's not a building. It's not a location. It's not just a service. It's you. It's a people, right? And last week, we talked about the fact that the church is made up of disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is somebody who not only knows Jesus, follows Jesus, is a student. That's really what the word means, a student of Jesus, a learner of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. So we talked about what it means to be a disciple. If you didn't get to hear that last week, I encourage you to go back in our website or even on uh, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and you can see the message from uh, last Sunday that talks about discipleship and what it means. It's so important that as followers of Jesus, we know what this means. For so many of us, we've grown up going to church, right? I mean, that's what we do. In our culture, we go to church, we, we check it off, we go, well, went to church. God is not calling you to go to church. He's calling you to be the church. There's a big difference, huge difference. And yet our culture, uh, we've defined it differently. And Jesus has defined discipleship for us. We're gonna get into that in just a little bit. One of the things we talked about last week in discipleship is, is different identifiers of a disciple of Jesus. Maybe the most important identifier could be obedience. Even as I say that word, I feel my toes being squished right in the moment, right? In fact, this early this week I was walking, I was praying for you, praying for our service and praying for this message. And I almost, I was walking and I almost came to a stop because I just felt so, um, I don't know how to put it. I was praying, I was talking to the Lord, and I just stopped and I said, you want me to talk about obedience? <laughs> I just had this feeling, Lord, I, I'm kind of an expert in this area. Not the obedience part, in the disobedience part. I sure know how to do that well, right? And so much of my life was characterized by disobedience. And even today, I still struggle, I still wrestle with obedience and disobedience. But that's, that's being a disciple that we actually do wrestle, we actually do struggle, we actually are seeking to honor Jesus with our lives. So this morning we're gonna talk a little bit about obedience. You know, if you're a parent, you probably use the word obedience quite a bit, right? If you have kids, I want you to obey to go to bed on time. This morning I want you to obey so we can leave on time. Did you brush your teeth? Did you wash the dishes? Did you get your homework done? Are you obeying me? Are you listening? Are you there, right? We talk about obedience all the time as parents. But how many of you know, and I think as parents you probably do, good intentions do not equal obedience. I love my kids. I've got the best kids in the world. I love them. So don't hear me saying anything other than that. They're wonderful, wonderful kids, but they're kids. And they obey. Sometimes it's a little delayed response, right? They have good intentions. They love me and their mom. They want to please us. They want to do the things we ask them to do. But can I tell you, good intentions don't equal obedience. So even though they love us and they really want to do the right thing, if they don't do what we ask them to do, that's what? Disobedience. Good intentions are not obedience. Obedience actually happens when you do the thing you've been asked to do. That's obedience. Not going, I'm going to do that. No, that's not obedience. I plan to do that, but I was going to do it in five minutes. That's not obedience. Obedience is doing the thing you've been asked to do. And this morning, I want us to talk about that as a church. Far too long, the church of Jesus has attended, but not changed. We've learned things, but not obeyed. We've heard things, but we're not doing the things. In fact, James says in chapter one that if this is what we do with our lives, if we hear but we don't obey, he says we're deceiving ourselves. Look with me over in James chapter one, verse 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Last week we talked, I kind of shared with you about so much of my life, I was a deceiver. 
as, as a, a believer. I came in, I wanted you to think I was doing the right things. I wanted to look like I was in the right place and doing the right stuff. But I really was trying to deceive you because in my heart, even though I had good intentions, I wasn't being obedient. James says, if all you do is hear something and you don't obey it, you're deceiving not other people, you're deceiving yourself. You may think you're a believer, you may think you're a Christian, but if you're not being obedient to Jesus, you're deceiving yourself. It's good to attend, it's good to hear, it's good to learn. We need to do those things as believers in Jesus, as disciples. But we have to take it further, we have to put it into action. You know, there are countless church members in in America, uh, around the world for that matter, who have known the Lord for a long time, known the Lord 50 years, I've known the Lord 60 years, I've known the Lord 10 years, whatever the case may be. There are Sunday school teachers, there are even pastors, many, who have never made a disciple. I didn't say never preached. No, we can preach. Yeah, we can teach a Sunday school class, but, and, and those things are helpful. But to make a disciple, this intentional act of mission, to see people who are lost saved, and people who are lost not only be saved, but discipled into being who they need to be, being intentional about our time, our focus. And how many people in the church have been in the church forever, we've never made a disciple? You know, I... uh, (laughs) don't understand with with Jesus as clear as clearly stating the great commission of Jesus right go into all the world make disciples baptize them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit teach them to obey all that I've commanded you I'll be with you till the end of the age there's this there's this very clear direction very clear directive of what Jesus expects of disciples why haven't we done it I'll tell you why It's not because we don't know what to do. Now, we may not know how to do it, and I'm hoping we can get there soon in the next few weeks, talk about what does it mean, how do do we make disciples, what are the processes in that. But I think we know what to do. I honestly just think we're not doing it. But friends, good intentions don't equal obedience. Jesus put it this way. He pulls no punches. With this, Luke 6, 46, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not or not do what I tell you? Jesus is saying there's a disconnect here. You call me Lord, but your life doesn't say that I'm Lord. It doesn't make sense. It's confusing. You say, Lord, Lord, but then your life doesn't match up to what you're saying. Does that sound like anybody (laughs) it sounds like me often lord you're my lord but see the idea is that if jesus is our lord he is our master which means we obey him we serve him and jesus is saying listen you you say the right thing but you're not doing the right thing friends can i tell you if you're a disciple of jesus a true disciple of jesus you're obedient to jesus I'm not saying we're perfect. Many of us have struggles. Many have have issues. All of us do. But we're in the struggle. We're wrestling to be who God wants us to be. We long to be obedient. But here's the problem. We're comfortable in sin. Lori and I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee. We lived there for 11 years. To say that we love Nashville, we love the Franklin area, Nashville area, Brentwood, that whole area, we just, we adore it. We have many lifelong friends there. Um, we love the restaurants, there's amazing music venues, I got the privilege to sing in some of the most amazing studios in the world there. I love Nashville. I'm very comfortable there. When I go back and visit, man, I just drive like I know where, because I live there, right? In the same way as believers, as disciples, we are comfortable in sin. We are comfortable in disobedience, why? Because that's where we used to live. It's who we used to be. It's what we used to do. It's very easy to slip back because we know it all too well. In fact, before we knew Christ, 
we disobeyed God. We lived in disobedience. We were lost and dead in our sins. This is what the main, this is our main text for today that if you take one verse away or one text of scripture, we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter two, one through 10 today. Uh, the first three verses say this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This is who we used to be. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Can I just tell you, disobedience is not a choice as somebody who is lost and doesn't know Jesus. It's just who you are. I've always been fascinated by Psalm 51 that says, we're conceived in sin. I'm, can, you can go, well, I, I didn't make that choice, right? I had nothing to do with that one. And yet it says we're conceived in sin. That's because it's not a choice. It is our nature. It is who we've become as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. It's caused us all to be this description. It's the product of the fall. That fall caused us, uh, number one, to be separated from God. But, and that's a, that's a bad thing, to be separated from God. But it, it, it caused us to go from life in God to death apart from God. Right? We're, we're, we're removed from God. We didn't just make bad choices called sin. I think we need to understand this. We didn't just make bad choices called sin. We were dead. Dead. Didn't have to do anything to be sinful. It's who we naturally were because of the fall. Okay? Everybody who doesn't know Christ, any, any person in this room today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're dead. Spiritually, you're dead. You don't even have the option to be obedient to God. You are dead. But Christ makes us alive. Praise God. But while we are dead, while we're living this way, I want to just break down some of this text for us. It says we're following the course of this world. This is the enemy's plan for your life, to keep you separated from God. That's the course of this world. So we're following the prince uh, of, of the power of the air. That's, that's the enemy. We're living by these passions uh, in, our, in our flesh, desires of our bodies and of our minds. When we're re removed and separated from God, when we're dead in our sins, this is what we live by, whatever we want, whatever we want to do. And when you think about that and you think about our culture, doesn't that make sense? You just go, yeah, there's a reason. There's crazy people out there. They're just doing whatever they want. They're just led by the enemy. They're led by the passions of their souls, of their, of their minds, because they're dead people. This text also says that we're children of wrath. You know, after Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says that uh, an angel came and kicked them out of the garden. And this warrior angel brandishes this flaming sword. Like, what? Are Adam and Eve a threat? Like, why would, do they need, does he need a sword to keep them out? Or did they have weapons? Were they ready to fight a warrior angel? Are you kidding? See, they had gone from friends of God, alive in God, to dead to God. They had gone from, from friends to enemies, and now the angel holds a sword and says, you're an enemy of God. Anyone who doesn't know Christ is an enemy of God. That's why the word says that we should be reconciled to Christ and not be his enemy any longer. We were children of wrath, an enemy against God. But the good news for many of us this morning is that Christ did save us. He did change us. Because of that salvation, we're no longer in that old description. Now we actually have the ability to choose righteousness. When we're lost, when we're dead in our sin, we don't even have the choice. It's just who we naturally are to live as sons and daughters of disobedience. But Christ, when he saves us, now we can choose to obey. 
That's the, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. He's changed us, he saved us, and he's given us that ability. But apart from Christ's redeeming work in our hearts and our lives, we have no hope. There's no chance. You try to follow God's law, you try to follow God's desire and design, and you don't know Jesus, it will not work. But when he saves you, when he brings you from death to life, he puts his spirit inside you, and now you have the ability to choose to be obedient to Jesus. This morning, I want us to look at six things. If you have your little journal, uh, if you don't have a journal, in fact, if you don't have one of these journals, do we have those back there? Anybody need one of those? These are just little blank journals if you want to write in one. I'd love for you to write this down, whether it's in your phone or in the journal. Jeff's going to grab a couple of those for anybody that doesn't have one. But I want us to, to look at six things this morning about why we obey God. Why do we obey God? Like what, what do we see in Scripture? What's the purpose of obedience to the Lord, right? Here's, here's the first one. We obey God because he saved us, right? He saved us. Look, look with me in our text, Ephesians 2, verse 4. The Bible says, but God, I love it, <laughs> Scripture says that, right? After this description of being uh, sons of disobedience and, and dead and, and just like the rest of the world, verse 4 says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Hallelujah, right? We, we don't have to live in that description of lost dead people anymore. We don't have to follow the course of the world. We don't have to be moved and motivated by the passions of our bodies and our minds and our souls that are naturally sinful. Now Christ has redeemed us and we have the ability to be obedient to him. Praise God. Why do we want to be obedient? Because he saved us. If we were on the edge of a cliff and you slipped and fell and I just grabbed your hand and I pulled you up and I saved your life, would you be like, you didn't have to do that, right? No. You'd be like, oh my gosh, thank you. You hugged somebody, you'd be indebted to them for your life. I saw this picture on Facebook the other day. It was a tall, large African-American brother and he's standing, he's holding a, a husband and wife shorter than him. They're about this height. And they have their ears to his chest, and they both have stethoscopes, a white couple. And they, they're holding stethoscopes to his heart. And they're all bawling because their child had died and given her heart to this man to live. They're all crying. Do you think he was grateful? He's living, he's breathing, he's alive, sadly because of the death of this child, but he now lives because of that sacrifice. That is who we are in Jesus. It's sad that Christ, God Almighty, had to die for us, but how grateful are we that he did to save us, to redeem us, to give us life, to give us hope, even when we're dead. Jesus gave us life. We didn't earn it. Right? It was a gift. It was given to us. We couldn't do something to get it. There was nothing we did to get God's grace, and there's nothing we can do to lose God's grace. That's a hard one. I want to say it again. Don't get this twisted. There's nothing you can do to, to earn or get God's grace. It's a gift to you, and there's nothing you can do to lose it. If there was, it wouldn't be called grace. That's what grace is. It's scandalous. God, how does this make sense? I, it's a gift. It's the grace of God. You know, because God saved us, because we ought to be grateful for the salvation, for the rescue of our souls from hell, 
we want to obey him, right? The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the old life has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're new creatures. We're, we're not those old people. We're not those old addictions. We're not those old struggles. We've been made new in Christ. And if we've been made new, we ought to want something different because if you're like me, when I go back and I think about the brokenness of my life in sin, the brokenness of my mind and my heart and my desires in sinfulness, it never led me to anything good for very long. Sin is fun. I'm not going to lie to you. Sin is fun for a moment. And then it destroys your life. Why would you go back to that? If Christ has changed you, if he has saved you, then we should want something different. We should want to be new. We should be grateful for this gift that it's through the faith alone, right? In Christ alone, by his grace alone that we've been saved. We didn't earn it. This new life in Christ ought to be one that we seek to be obedient. I like the way Peter put this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. He says, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. <laughs> right? You lived in such a way you were ignorant. You didn't know what you were doing because you were living naturally as a dead, spiritually dead person. Ignorant to spirituality, ignorant to the things of God, and so you lived naturally sinful. But when Christ has taken you from death to life, this old life has passed away, the new life has come. We should want to be obedient children, not live in the disobedience of our former ignorance. No, we didn't know any better then, but you know now. You have Christ now. Why would you go back to death when he's calling us to life? Here's a second reason we obey God. Number one, we obey him because he saved us. Number two, we obey him because he loves us. He loves us in our text, Ephesians 2 Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. First of all, I love that God is rich in mercy. He's rich in every possible thing you can be rich in, by the way, okay? <laughs> but I love that, that Paul says in this, he's rich in mercy. Mercy is, is uh, not being punished when you should be punished. He says God is rich in that. And we deserve punishment. But he's rich in that. And it says... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Friends, can I tell you the reason Jesus died for you? Because he loves you. Do you know how much you're loved? Often we can't, our hearts don't even, can't even understand the capacity of love. Maybe because of broken relationships on earth. Maybe our parents didn't love us that well. Maybe they were so broken, they didn't even know how to give love to you. And you, So now you're not sure how to give it to anybody else, even God. But if I could somehow speak this over you in the spirit of the living God, give it to your hearts in the way that he wants to and intends to, he loves you in an unbelievable, sacrificial, mind-blowing way that he would send his only son to die for you. It's because of this great love with which he loved us that he saved us. Why do we want to obey God? Because he loves us. We say the verse all the time, John three sixteen, For God, what? So loved the world that he gave Jesus his only son to die for us. So whoever believes in him doesn't have to perish but can have everlasting life. Why did he send Jesus? Because he loved us. Jesus puts it this way, John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Live in my love. Be comfortable. Have joy. Have everything you need. That's what abiding is. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Hey, what brings you joy? What are the things in your life that your, your heart just gets so full it's about to bust? You've never experienced that like you can if Jesus is the Lord of your life. 
You've never experienced that if you're, unless you're obedient to God in such a way that your life is full of him. You may have some joy, but Jesus says, when you obey me, I give you so much joy, you're full. Your joy will be full. You'll be at joy capacity. There's nothing like it in all the world. When we obey God because we love him, our joy is full. So we obey God because he saved us. And he saved us because he loves us. And because he loved us, number three, we should obey God because we love him. This is our natural response to this gift of salvation, of love. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us, right? The, the thing about love is it compels us to love. This lady right here is the love of my life. I absolutely adore everything about her. I've loved her for almost 30 years. I'm not kidding. She's the kindest person I've ever known. She's the most giving person. She's the most serving person. I see her sometimes in our home and I'm going, the way she loves us, the way she serves us, the way she cares about us, the way she sacrifices for us, all that she does for us, she loves us. And you know what it makes me want to do? Love her back. So when I think about the dishes, I go, dishes are nothing for what compared to what she does for us. I can do the dishes. I can help in this way. I can do this thing. I can cook. I can go to the store. I, whatever the case may be. Because love compels us to love. It compels us to serve. It compels us to sacrifice. Sometimes we make steaks. Guys, you'll appreciate this. You, you know, and we split a steak. I don't need a whole big steak. And sometimes I'll give her the better piece of meat. I just say sometimes, not all the time. I'm st- I still wrestle with my sinfulness and my sinful heart. But on occasion, I get it right and I give her the better piece of meat. I'm, I'm being silly, but what does sacrifice look like because you love? Friends, is there a greater sacrifice than Jesus? Is there a greater sacrifice that's been given to you than his death on a cross? We love him because he first loved us. When we were in college, and I've told this story before and I'm going to tell it again because it was such a game changer for me. I was really on the fence of trying to understand what it meant to follow Christ, but man, I was still a son of disobedience in many ways, right? I still was going back to what I was used to and what I wanted. I still wanted what I wanted, not what God wanted. And we were in a class called Christian Doctrine, and Dr. Mitchell was teaching about how grand and glorious and huge God was. That he created things at a microscopic level that you will never see that are absolutely gorgeous. The colors the construction, the design of this brilliant creator we'll never see, but it brings him glory. And I, I just remember, have you ever flown on a plane 30, 40,000 feet in the air or whatever, and you look down, you can't see a person. You don't see people. And I'm going, I went to his office, I said, I'm confused. I said, I can't see people. I mean, why does God care about this little pet sin in my life? What does it matter if I make a mistake here or there because, because I want to do these things? And I'll never forget his answer. It blew my mind. He said, oh, you don't have to do it. I said, what? He said, you you don't have to obey God. I remember grabbing the Bible going, how did I miss this? I I think it, it says it a lot that you are. He goes, no, you don't have to. He said, Drew, if you love him, you'll obey him. But you don't have to. He just changed the game for me. Because my Christian walk was about duty and obligation and not being motivated because I loved. He was giving me the definition of love from Jesus. Last week I gave you the definition, uh, Jesus' definition of discipleship from Luke 9, remember? Jesus said, you got to deny yourself, you got to take up your cross daily, and you got to follow me. That is Jesus' definition of discipleship. Well, Jesus' definition of 
Love is this, John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's real simple. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. See, Jesus makes it so clear. (laughs) To love is to obey, period. And I love how Jesus, after he mentions this so succinctly, If you love me, obey my commands. But I'm going to send somebody to help because we need it, don't we? We need the help. I need the help. So I'm I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your helper forever, forever. Look what he says here in John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. Those two things are amazing right there alone. Watch this, and manifest myself to him. I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in my life. I want to see Jesus in my family. I want to see Jesus in my business. I want to see Jesus in my church. I want to see him everywhere I can see him. And he says, I'll manifest myself to you when you obey me because you love me. Do you want to see Jesus? Let's be obedient. John 14, 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come, uh, we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. I'm, I'm not very good at math. Any of my friends will tell you I'm not a mathematician. That's pretty easy math. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't love me, you won't keep my commandments. Are we clear? It's very simple math here. But I love the way John puts the fact that, you know, we're not talking about some difficult thing. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, there's life and we have to choose between ourselves and this former life where we used to live and where God's calling us to live. And there's a struggle there, but is it really that difficult? First John 5, 3, he says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome, friends. God loves us so much, he's not some dictator with his thumb on our lives going, (laughs) you're gonna obey me. Why does God want you to obey him? Because it's the best thing for you. And we run from it, don't we? Number four, why do we obey God? To be blessed by God. It's the greatest life you can possibly have to live in obedience to him because he pours out blessing Honest. This is a theme throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. I'm going to give you several Scriptures here. I know we're doing a lot of Scriptures. That's better than my opinion. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. That's a pretty good promise, right? Deuteronomy 28.1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. 1 Kings uh, 2.3, observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you go. Yes, these are are specific directives given to a specific people. But as believers in Jesus, we can glean the heart of God for obedience for us, can't we? We can learn from these. Psalm 128.1, blessed are all who fear the Lord who walk in obedience to him. God doesn't want you just in some obligatory way to follow some rules. He wants you to find him. He wants to manifest himself to you. Psalm 119.2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. See, there's a difference in, in following rules and trying to just do what's right and then actually following what God wants of us as we seek him with our whole heart. There's a different motive. There's a different reason. We want to find God. We want to see him manifested to us, and we do that by being obedient to him. Jeremiah 7.23 But this command I gave them, 
Obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. And walk in all the way that I command you that it may be well with you. God wants to bless your life. That's why we obey. Yes, because he saved us. Yes, because he loved us. Yes, because we love him, hopefully. But also because he wants to bless us. I, I love this one. 1 John 3, 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I love when I ask my girls to do something and they do it right on the spot and I go, I think I'm having a heart attack, right? Like, Did you actually do the thing? Oh, where do you want to go? Let's go. Five below, we're going. Pizza again, we're going. You can't keep me from blessing my children when they're obedient, right? When they please us, when we go, way to go. You just want to go, whatever I got, it's yours anyway. I mean, you're going to get it anyway, but seriously, let's go. Let's do something fun. I want to bless you. And God is saying, when you obey me, when you please me with your life, I want to hear you. I want to hear what you need. And if it's according to my will, I want to give it to you. Here's the fifth thing, fifth reason we grow, or fifth reason we obey. We obey God to grow in him. We can grow when we're obedient to him. We can walk in this way to know him more. Paul talks about worship in, in Romans. He talks about the fact that we will worship something. Either we're going to worship the created or we're going to worship the creator. In a similar way, he also talks about the fact that whatever we're obedient to, right, that's the very thing uh, that we're a slave if you're obedient to something, you're a slave to it. Romans 6, 16, he says, uh, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. We obey God because we want him to show us how to grow in him. And a life of obedience leads us to a life of righteousness. Now, I want to make something very clear here. You might put an asterisk and make sure this is big and understood. Your obedience doesn't make you righteous. Your following what God wants of your life doesn't make you a righteous person. Jesus is the only one who can do that because you can't follow everything. So by his grace, through faith, in Christ alone, we are made righteous, right? Through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But a life of obedience helps us, it leads us toward a life of obedience and a life of righteousness and a life of godliness so that we're actually the people of God. So that we can, as we said last week from Peter, be holy as I am holy. We can live a life. We can actually choose to be obedient. And when we choose to be obedient, it's something that should come from our hearts. Romans, the very next verse, Romans six seventeen. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart uh, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Why are you obedient? It's coming from your heart. You're serving the Lord. You're, you're doing what he says because you love him. Here's one of the things that I think is sad in a way, and I, I hope that we can understand this and grow in this. I hope I can. From our main text today, Ephesians 2.10. says, for we are his workmanship. Some of your translations may say masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. See, here's the thing. Many of you are believers in Jesus. God has a work prepared for you that you have not realized yet. Friend, you might be on the very edge of a breakthrough of God doing something with your life that is unbelievable, that brings him glory. You may be just about to step into something where you bless people and bless God and you're living in obedience and God uses you in some way to bring him glory, who knows? And yet we go back into this disobedience and we go back into this lack of faith and it's not that big of a deal. No, God is calling us to obedience and he has prepared this good work for us so that we should walk in it. But if we're not walking in his direction, we'll never get to that good work, right? 
Here's the last thing I want to say to us this morning and reason we should obey. We obey God to make him known. I mean, after all, we're in this multiply series. We're talking about multiplication. We're talking about discipleship. We're talking about what it means to be a witness in the world. And I've already referenced, I've already mentioned this verse, but I want us to read it again And I really want us to look at a couple of specific things. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We're familiar with this verse. I've said it already in this message. I've said it in almost every one we've been preaching through the uh, series in the Multiply series. We've heard this before. Yes, God wants us to go, but I want to give a little context. There's this, this text tells us there's 11 disciples who God speaks this to, but it's not just the 11 that he, he gives this directive to. When he says, I'll be with you to the very end of the age, those guys aren't going to be around at the end of the age. We might be. We, maybe now. Or whoever the believers are at the time of the end of the age, Jesus is still going to be with them. So this is spoken to those 11 disciples and all disciples, right? So we know, okay, we're supposed to go, <laughs> means go, like move forward, out of here, into our lives. We're supposed to preach, we're supposed to be witnesses, and tell people about Jesus who don't know him, right? We're supposed to see those people move forward, as Ellie said, in, in obedience in baptism, to be baptized. But this next thing we, we don't do very well. Verse 20, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Often we read it like this, teach them everything I commanded you. Right? Teach them everything I commanded you. But can I tell you something? Information does not equal obedience. It's not just about knowing what Jesus taught the disciples. It's about being obedient to what Jesus taught the disciples. These 11 disciples, number one, they had to be obedient to just hear Jesus give this commandment and then actually go and make disciples, and they did. They preached, they baptized, and they taught people. Acts 2 says the apostles teaching, they're teaching people to obey. It's beautiful. And often in in the church today, we just teach people to know some things. Hope you got that. See you next week. Who knows what happens between now and then. That's not what Jesus said to do. He said, teach them to obey. Everybody say obey. Obey. Even as we say it, it's like, it's, it's a difficult one, right? Teach them to obey. I think the church has done an okay job of teaching preaching, baptizing, but are we learning to obey? What if our city groups went from uh, more information-based to obedience-based? What if in your city group you shared your struggles, you shared what you're walking through, and then you said, okay, I'm going to try and be obedient to this this week, and then you come back next week and and the leader says, hey, was everybody obedient to what you said you were going to try and do? And most of everybody goes, yeah, kind of. Two people go, not really. Okay, well, let's, let's keep praying about this, and we're going to come back next week until you are. Whoa. But isn't that what Jesus is calling us to? He's not calling us to more information. He's not calling us to heads full of so much knowledge if we don't use it in obedience. What if every sermon I challenged you at the end, I said, okay, what's God calling you to be obedient to? And next Sunday when I come and I start, I'm gonna say, hey, how did it go? Were you obedient this week? Was I obedient this week? I may go, you know what? I blew it. I wasn't. That may be what's on your heart, but God is calling us to ask this question more and more and more if we're truly gonna be his disciples and follow him. Here's another little side note. You can't be obedient on your own. That's not the way God designed the church. He didn't design the church as individual people trying to be obedient. He designed the church as people walking life with other people in accountability and confession for obedience. You can't do it on your own. 
Why do you need to be in a city group? Why do you need to be in some discipleship group? Because you can't be obedient apart from it. You need people going, hey, man, how's that thing going on in your life? That thing that you said you're struggling with, how's it? Well, yeah. But if nobody's asking, if nobody's looking in, we go to what we know. We go back to this place we used to live. One last thing here before we go. I love the story in Acts uh, chapter 5 when we see the disciples have to make a decision that that we're all going to have to make today. Acts chapter 5 verse 29, read this little story to you. Let me give you the context. They've been preaching. (laughs) They were arrested. They were thrown into prison. An angel lets them out of prison and says, go preach in the temple. The next day, uh, they come to find the disciples locked up, and they're not locked up. And, they're, and the, but the guards are like, I have no idea where they went. They're, they're gone. And they're like, what, do you hear something? <laughs> it sounds like those guys. They left prison and went right into the temple and started preaching. That's the context, right? Look with me. Verse 29, chapter 5. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet... You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Look at that verse again. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. These disciples stand before the same council that that crucified Jesus. This is a life and death moment. They easily could arrest them and get them hung, get them crucified, get them killed by the sword. And yet they say, we must obey God rather than men. See, these disciples had seen Jesus' miracles. They had seen the resurrected Jesus. They had seen him ascend into heaven. And they said, we're going to obey him, not you. So here's my question, friends. What have you seen of Jesus? What miracle has he shown you in your own life? What addiction has he changed? What gifts has he given you? What goodness have you experienced and lived because of him? that would cause you to say, I'm going to choose to obey God rather than men. Rather than men. I'm going to choose to obey God above anything else in my life. I'm going to ask Daryl and the team to go ahead and come. And I just want us to ask a couple of questions here before we go. What does this message do for us today? Do we leave here and just kind of go do the same thing? We, same TV shows, same schedules, same, same people we hang out with, same money we spend everywhere, same broken patterns, hoping for different results, same disobedience? Or do we say, God, I must choose to obey you instead of men? Can I just tell you, um, there's no middle ground here. Indecision is a decision. And good intentions doesn't equal obedience. If you have something to write down with, I want you to to grab it for a second. Maybe your phone, whatever. But I want to just challenge you to do something this morning. As we we go, as we contemplate our own lives, uh, how we're walking in the Lord, maybe some areas that we need him to do something for us. We need him to help us obey. We need him to strengthen us. We need him to do something. We need to surrender, maybe. (laughs) Maybe God's calling you to ministry, and you just keep pushing it off and pushing it off. Or God's calling you to a person or to a family to tell them about Jesus, or calling you to remove yourself from some people that you shouldn't be with because they're bringing you down. I don't know. But God has called us to take this love message of Jesus, this life-changing message of Jesus to the world. Not just information for you to leave with today, a command for you to obey. A command for me to obey. 
Will you obey him this morning? Because he saved you, because he loved you, because he blesses you. Will you obey him this morning? If we do, that's, that's proof that we love him, that we're growing in him, that we receive these blessings and we live in them. I want to ask you to do something. If you have something to write with, I want you to write down a couple of sentences, okay? Are you with me? Write down in big letters, I will. And then I'm going to just give some prompters. And, and if the Lord's speaking to your heart, I want you to fill out this sentence. I will do what God wants me to do. And if that's the case, what is that thing? Write it down. I'll give you just a minute, just in this little exercise. Or you might write, I will go where God wants me to go. And where, where is it that God wants you to go? Or you might write down, I will share with someone about Jesus this week. Or maybe it's something totally different. God is impressing on your heart for you to do, for you to be obedient in. Friends, I want to call us to obedience. I'm not calling us to go to a service, go to a church, know a bunch of things. No, I'm calling us to obey God. <laughs> Can I just remind you of this? Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. May he call us, may he move us by the help of the Holy Spirit, not to a title of Christian, but to a lifestyle of one. Not to information about discipleship, but to a life of being a disciple who obeys him because we love him. Pray with me. Father, we do love you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, that you are so kind, that you would send the Holy Spirit, so kind that, Lord, even though we were in disobedience, even though we were dead, had no choice but to sin, even though we were just empty, broken, following the course of the world, the prince of the power of the air, this life of passions and desires from our bodies and our minds, like the rest of the world, dead in our sins, Lord, but God redeemed us, saved us, gave us grace and mercy, changed us, gave us life instead of death, gave us the ability to choose to be obedient. Lord, would you give us that choice today and would you give us the strength of our hearts to stand and say, I choose to obey the Lord God Almighty. Not myself, not my addictions, not the things that, I've, that have held on to me anymore. I need help and I'm gonna struggle, but the Spirit is with me forever. And I wanna be obedient, I wanna be a disciple, an obedient disciple of Jesus. Help me, Lord, because I love you, I wanna honor you with my life. And God's people said, amen. Will you stand real